I'm Shannon. I'm Mark. And this is Dirt Sailor, the podcast. You can find us on Podbean, Apple, and Spotify. We also have Facebook and Instagram pages under Dirt Sailor Podcast. Happy Throat Punch Thursday. Well, happy Throat Punch Thursday. How are you doing on this fine day? Better than yesterday. Not as good as tomorrow. I forgot how that saying goes. I'm doing good. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. So, Eric Swalwell, Adam Schiff, Ilan Omar, although she's getting a little bit different treatment, we have some people who may lose their assignments on Capitol Hill. As they should, especially when you leak classified information, especially when you're a purveyor of false information, especially when you're sleeping with a Chinese spy. Well, you just covered Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell. Ilan Omar is being treated a little bit differently because she is on a committee. Um, and some are saying she is not fit for that committee because of all of her anti-Semitic remarks. However, she has a lot of fellow compatriots supporting her, including Republicans. So it is unclear if she will lose her assignment. But right now it does look like Eric Swalwell and Adam Schiff will lose their assignments. Why do you think Swalwell will lose his assignment? His connection to being uh, used by a Chinese spy. It was a honey trap situation. As soon as they figured out who she was, and that she was a spy, she disappeared from the United States, further kind of solidifying that she was a Chinese spy. Yes, and I'm not going to quote the USC number, but there is a procedure to follow, an application to complete, when you would like to have a clearance. Yes, there is. And I believe it's in the very first paragraph of said paperwork. Swalwell fails miserably, fails so miserably that if and when, well, he will eventually, but when he leaves Congress, he will be ineligible for the ability to view classified secret or top secret information based on his past. Well, and another person to add to that list should be Adam Schiff because of how how big of a leaky McLeakerson he is. He just likes to leak classified information all over the place. But what's really funny about Adam Schiff is they just banned on government phones people having TikTok because of the fact that it is owned by the Chinese government or it's owned by a Chinese company, but really they're feeding the information to the Chinese government that they get off of the users of TikTok, Adam Schiff went on TikTok to complain about losing his assignment. That's where he chooses to go. He doesn't go to Twitter. He doesn't make an Instagram reel. He doesn't make a video to just be published or uh, write an op-ed for the New York Times. He actually goes on TikTok to say why he should be on a committee that deals in intelligence. Isn't it interesting that these folks continue to get a pass, though? 
And then when they do get held to account, then they whine like little babies. Yes. Yeah, very interesting because he's a known leaker, like you said, but he not only leaks classified information when he walks out of, what's the room called? The skiff. The skiff. So I heard somebody talking this morning about the skiff. And it's just as bad when he walks out of the skiff and looks at news outlets and says, I, I can't tell you what's in it because it's classified information, but, but it's really bad. It's bad. So there, there is a there there. So we need to really look at going after this man because I just saw it with my own two eyes. And the person that talked about that this morning has been in the skiff, has looked at the exact same documentation, and there is no there there. Well, he was called out for his his repeated claims that there was a there there that, uh, for instance, Trump-Russia collusion, that he saw the actual factual supporting proof of Trump-Russia collusion, and he kept saying that he was going to release it or get it declassified so it can come out, and it never came out because it didn't exist. Right, and because of our local congressman, who's now retired from Congress, has looked at more Russian information than all these guys combined, even years prior to Trump even running, knew what was coming. Because he talked about it even prior to this Russia collusion stuff. Because they knew how the Russians operated. And Schiff was probably being played by the Russians. Whoever his intel, what his intel. His his intel, yes. Well, probably the same people who made the dossier were feeding him a line of malarkey. A line of malarkey, absolutely. But it's interesting how there's a double standard, though. Like I said, and these folks get a pass most times. And these, like these young sailors that we've talked about, do something inadvertent or take basic pictures of something, and they end up going to prison for it. These people, people, excuse me, these people continually leak classified information, or they just flat out tell falsehoods. They get a pass. And that begs me to ask the question, he's currently a congressman, Schiff is. If he does run for Senate and the same constituency in Southern California votes for him, does that mean they're accepting of liars? They are. Uh, It does mean that they're accepting of liars. And we've actually seen this across the board. It happens on the right and the left that when a person is called out, people still accept them, especially if they have a D or an R, and that's a heavily D or R area, people don't want to go up against them. And then the other side, when they go up against them, still doesn't stand a chance because people will just see who's the D, who's the R. I'm going to vote that way, unfortunately. And even looking at the Congress congressman out of New York, who's been caught in yet another lie. And by another, I mean, I, I think we're up to $578 million for his lies. He, he is a habitual liar, and it appears that nothing that he's released about himself is truthful. Manchurian candidate. Yeah. One of the latest lies, well, he said he would help a disabled vet raise money for a dog. And raised money, solicited donations, and then never turned it over. So he's not just a liar, he's a cheat and a thief. That's the allegation. What was he doing prior to 
running for Congress and winning a seat. Is he an accountant? Did he work for the Bidens? Maybe he did. Maybe Even he, though he's a maybe Republican. he learned all this crafty stuff from Joe's family. Or maybe he just sees the history of other little mini narcissists or sociopaths and just followed I don't even know if you'd call him a sociopath. Maybe he's a I don't know what the opposite of a kleptomaniac is for somebody that is a habitual I guess a pathological liar. He's a pathological liar. Go. By the way, we're talking about George Santos. Yes, George if, Santos. If uh, our listeners are unaware. But he's everything about him's a lie. His whole entire resume is a lie. Be it job experience, college education, but he's he was elected to represent the northern part of Long Island and the northeast part of Queens. And it's just it's crazy. Even though he's fifty percent the same as a lot of the others there, these guys have a lot of responsibility. They spend a lot of our money. They make a lot of decisions, and he should not be allowed to do it. He should not be allowed to be a congressman. He should not. No, he absolutely should not be allowed to be a, a congressman. But it's funny that you joke that he was a accountant for the Bidens. He most recently worked at a Florida-based alternative investment firm that is accused of running a Ponzi scheme. Although he was not specifically named in any charges and has denied any knowledge of fraud, considering how much he's how much fraud has gone on just in his job history. Uh, all his lies, he probably knew. So just like the guy that was recently busted for all the fake money. Oh, the Bankman fraud? Yes. Yes, and in fact, something I just learned about Bankman is that his parents put up their house as collateral for him to get out, and it turns out that the land is owned by Stanford University. So they're like leaseholders. So it's a leasehold. And it, the valuation of it, they believe, people are pointing out, may have been overvalued, even though for that area, that might be the right amount of money for a house of a certain size, a certain age, and how much land they have, because they don't own the land. And the only people that can buy the house are other uh, professors. Because it's Stanford's like professor. So then, where do you think the kid learned the con game from? His parents. Apparently, his parents. Yeah. So that's something that the other uh, another congressman has done. Not the fraud part or the lying about your house part, but there's a congressman woman actually in Southern California that was given a good deal on her house in order for her to take a professorship at the college. So it's a very common thing to have um, special land deals for professors because it's hard to own in some of these high-priced right. areas. that's okay. But how do you say your house is worth a price that you can't get for your house in order to get your son out of jail? They should revoke that bail. Yes, it's because elitists figure out a way to do things like that. That's what they do. That's how they have all that money in their pocket. You know, I've got to talk about Shia still. So it's interesting that a guy that's a, he's another pathological liar. He's a leaker. And he's mad right now because Meta has decided to allow Trump 
back on Facebook and Instagram. He says it's inexplicable. An inexplicable decision? How yes, so? Because Trump is corrupt. Trump is fake. So there's something hanky going on in the background for them to allow. Are they letting him back on because They're he said he's him. running for office? They have decided after two years to go ahead and let him back on the social media sites. And, and okay, conspiracy theory, bear with me. I'll try. What's the name of Trump's site? True Social. Absolutely. So what happens if he's on True Social and not on Facebook or Instagram? Where are all the people going to go? They're going to gravitate to the site. All the millions, and they're going to buy ads, and they're going to buy time, and they're going to do things, and his site's going to grow. But if they can get him to spend more time on Facebook or Instagram, guess what? They will be the ones. They money. Get an uptick in so it's about flow. the money. I think. I mean, I could be 100% wrong. That makes sense to me. Just an uneducated simpleton guess. No, it does make sense that they would want to try and bring revenue back because I'm sure that people. He. I didn't appreciate his tweets. No offense to everyone out there. I did not have an appreciation for his tweets, and I wish that he would spend more time being a president. And not on Twitter, not tweeting. But it was his right. I mean, he had the freedom to do that. He had the freedom of speech. And he shouldn't be hindered by it. But anyway, I believe that as soon as there was no Trump, money did go out everywhere, whether it was Twitter, whether it was Facebook or Instagram. There was probably an immediate... uh, Right, and that's all I down down tick in their money. That's I, why I, would, I want to pick on Schiff right now because you put him and Trump side by side, even though there is no comparison, because you have a guy that's actually owned a company, has made billions of dollars, and he made this economy or helped make this economy one of the strongest it's ever been in its history. But you have a leaker who wants somebody off of social media. This guy leaked on a continuous basis, yet he was never removed from Twitter or any of the social media sites. Trump, so he stays up late at night, but he calls someone an ass, and 50 million people freak. You know, and I know it was more than that, but then they kick him off of the social site. You have a guy that goes into a skiff, looks at documents that could potentially harm U.S. citizens abroad, and he goes out and he leaks info, gets away with it. To me, there's no comparison. Schiff should have been booted off of the social media sites, and they should have used Trump's tweets as fodder to do Saturday Night Live skits and things like that and just make fun of the guy. That is the great thing about this country because you do something like this in China, you do something like this now with the news report coming out today in Brazil, you get your hand chopped off. You get thrown in prison. You get hung. You get shot. Now in Brazil, they're letting a single Supreme Court judge make all the decisions as to what's fake news and what's not. And they're threatening news media people and others that if they don't toe the line and keep their mouth shut, they're going to kick them off of social media and they're going to throw them in prison. And there was also a report actually out of the UK that they were, maybe not chopping off hands, but they were going through the they were going through the military they had a special unit that was looking into all of the 
fraudulent misinformation, especially with relation to like COVID and things like that, they, they were looking into the people who would purvey misinformation, target them and take them out. Uh, it could be to tell them they're going to arrest them, to actually arrest them, to silence them and threaten them into silence. And they, the claim was it was supposed to be a foreign, looking at foreigners doing this, but then they started targeting their own citizenry. And so someone has just come out today saying that the government was lying to you. It really was happening. And I know it happened because I was a part of it. Just like, unfortunately, we did after 9-11 when we passed the Patriot Act. And it started out as a noble thing. And it's been flipped on its heels. And now they're going after not just foreigners, U.S. citizens as yes. well. But, you know, these purveyors of misinformation, who are they? Who gets to decide what's real, what's fake, until the true empirical data has been set forth and we have carnal knowledge of what is really going on. Because let's, we'll use our current president as a prime example, okay? He has now said probably 50 times or more, the southern border is secure. When everybody that lives on the southern border is 100% aware it's not. So is he not, is the White House not purveyors of false information? I would say that they are. Then they should be pulled off of social media. They should be held to account and they should be forced to fix the problem. Yeah, and we have people who are coming through the southern border who are not just economic migrants looking for a better life, even though that is not a lawful manner of immigrating. There are terrorists, people on watch lists who are trying to come up through the southern border. There are people who are criminals who have been removed from the United States who are gang members, cartels, you name it, they're coming through. It's not just grandma trying to to get to see her grandkids and this happy reunion that we're being told is that those are the only people coming. But we've also seen an uptick in crossing at the northern border, unlawful crossing. We have seen people who um, who are getting denied coming as refugees, who are getting denied coming uh, as asylees, people who want to go through the southern, who want to go through the border correctly and then claim asylum. We are seeing people put into jail, put into um, a holding a detention facility or immediate removal by the Biden administration. And then people who are, who have no claim for asylum, people who have no, you know, attempts at refugee status, they're being allowed in, in some sort of a, a backwards system that, that Biden has created. And in fact, he just created out of thin air, out of a made up policy to allow tens of thousands of people from specific countries to request to parole into the United States that have no lawful way to immigrate. But again, we're denying people who have the lawful ways to immigrate, to immigrate. For instance, I know we've talked about it on the show before, people from the Philippines, people from Mexico who have long waits, people from India who have to wait decades to immigrate, China even, 
Um, they have longer waits because of the sheer number of people who, t- you know, attempt to immigrate. And we're talking family members. We are talking brothers and sisters and your adult children who uh, are married that people cannot bring in for decades. And yet we are giving status to people who don't have a lawful way to immigrate. We are, yeah, we're taking our, our lawful system and we are punishing people. And then the unlawful, oh, yeah, just let it happen. And it makes you wonder what the end game is. And one of my coworkers, who happens to be a manager and a Filipino ancestry, has been trying to get a bunch of their family members here for years, and they're still waiting. But let me push this down to things coming up so, south of the border. I did a trip this weekend to Southern California. It's past weekend. And I was cruising around in a boat, and I went up this one tributary, and I started seeing all these old broken-down boats and pangas. And I happened to see a boat that had a submarine inside of it, a little mini-sub. It was the coolest thing ever. Well, I actually called a company today that works for Department of Treasury. And a majority of those boats that I saw were drug seizures. And they're coming in, she said, way more now than they have in the past. So that's just one little tidbit or caveat that, yeah, not only are they coming up by land and coming down from north of the border, they're coming by sea also. And those little pangas sit so low in the water and they're so small, they're not bringing people in those. Drugs. Drugs and fentanyl. It's all drug seizures. They're a majority drug seizures. Yeah, and by the way, the um, the new parole program that Biden made up is for people from Cuba, Nicaragua, Venezuela, and Haiti, and they can come legally, which it's a made-up program. Under the new plan, it will allow 30,000 migrants from those four countries to enter each month. It's interesting that we don't vet any of this stuff properly, just like the new chief of staff for Biden. Oh, what about him? So Mr. Jeff Zintz is the new chief of staff, and he has a history too. He actually started a company with his own money, but then he had to turn around and pay $7 million to resolve allegations of fraudulent Medicare and Medicaid building, billing, excuse me, billing. So involving a subsidiary that he owned. Well, he's not a... He's a stand-up guy. Not a perfect person either, and I believe he was put in charge of the COVID response there for a while under Biden. Oh, he's one of the czars, Yeah, with zero experience. Just like zero experience Hunter. No, Hunter has a lot of experience with getting money off of his dad's name. So something that we talked about last week, which was if you go into a meeting that has classified information and you take notes, how you need to also consider those potentially classified documents if you wrote down the classified pieces of information. I guess they have also seized notes and notebooks from Biden's time as a vice president, including meetings that he was in on, because now they have to go through his notes to see if he wrote classified information on those notebooks. Let me add two things in there. One. I want to get back to this Zinch real quick. He is already facing controversy by folks because he met with Hunter Biden 
at least three times in 2016. That's one. So you have a professor who is one of the smart guys in America. His name is Jonathan Turley. And he has made a comment that Biden has converted the University of Delaware into a giant lockbox of documents. And they are unwilling at this time to release those 1,800 and some boxes and the big hard drive or whatever device they have all these uh, gigabytes of info stored on. Question I have is, they say it'll fill up two semi-truck trailers. The documents. And I look at the life or the time of a person and how much time he's actually working, how much time he's at the Senate and things he's writing. How could one human possibly have 1,800 and some boxes of notes? I'm not sure how, but Hunter Biden and, and some of the information that came out with this whole what is at the house in in Delaware? Some of the information that came out was that he had, he also being Hunter Biden, had lots of documents that they were going to take from a storage unit or from his old office that they were storing and move it into his dad's house because he was going to make an office there. And I, just my opinion on having all of those documents or Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden having all these documents or having a couple of semi-trailers full of documents for Joe Biden. I think that they're taking documents that they can make money off of. So they have so many documents because they are literally keeping everything that they come into contact with every report that could help them out every piece of information on a person. So it's not that they produced these documents and it's necessarily their work product to me. It's dirt on people or it's dirt on what can make you money. That's my opinion. It's a great opinion. Another interesting thing, you and I talked last week, week before last, about how they should start some type of department within the National Archives that actually before these people walk out the door when they lose the seat or they retire or they expire, someone to inventory and make sure that this doesn't happen. No paper is allowed to leave this. Correct. The next day after that, a talking head on Fox News recommended exactly what we talked about. Oh, someone's listening to this podcast, huh? That would be nice if they were. They almost quoted you word for word, but yeah. Wow, we got some good listeners. We have some good followers and (laughs) listeners. Absolutely. Yeah, some of the information, by the way, they found on Ukraine, some of the classified information. I guess uh, uh, another email or another document on Hunter Biden's laptop was reviewed, and it wasn't Hunter's normal lingo. And so they discerned that he used classified documents to then make his next move to make money out off of Ukraine. Uh, this is pre-war Ukraine we're talking back when Joe Biden was in office as a vice president. Yeah, we had a lawyer read that on the news, and they said it looked like it was cut and pasted off of a classified document. That wasn't his work product. not his work. So do you feel you need to be beat up? Whoopi Goldberg believes that white people need to get beaten more regularly, and maybe we would 
see less officers committing crimes against um, African-American individuals. So she calls what happened with the Jews not really a Holocaust. Right, because that was like white people. She talks about beating up potential white people to make changes in America. Well, I have news for her. Unfortunately, there's more black-on-black crime around the U.S., I believe, than there is other-on-other. Yeah, it's usually same race on same race is the most amount of crime. And that is the most amount of crime, and that is a stat that's factual. But what about all of the cities and municipalities across the country that are run by smart, intellectual black people? What does she say there when crime in Lightfoot City is out of control? Boston area, crime out of control. The District of Columbia, murders and crime out of control, run by most black people that are doing, for the most part, a good job in some areas, but when it comes to crime, because they want to redefine what a police officer is, they want to allow criminals to have more power than what an actual law-abiding person does. Why don't people ask her questions like that and have her reply? Because she will talk around it. She won't actually reply. She's she's like Joy Bayer. She's a non-replier. But um, so there's a... Hold that thought, please. The problem is she's a comedian and she's an actress. And she's given a forum that she has no business on. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. It, it, well, it, to your point with her having no business on something, I, I believe anyone can be anything that they want to be. So she wants to, she's gotten this position to be a host of The View. Great for her. But when you say that words have consequences, why don't any of her words have any consequences? Exactly. I, it, it is what it is. But her statement about if there were more white people getting beat by the police that some or just in general that somehow we would we would have more rapid change she's not the only one that believes that and in Tennessee and specifically Memphis where an individual was just in January beaten to death unfortunately it's another case where they say it's, you know, police brutality, which led to this man's death. His name is Tyree Nichols, and or Nichols, and he was killed ultimately by five Memphis police officers, and all five of them are African American, and he was African American. But if you look at the leader of BLM there in in the local area, Mr. Hawk uh, Newsom said that there should be more violence as well. He was basically saying what would be saying to to an extent, but he called for more violence, and he said it is the fault of white supremacy for Mr. Tyree Nichols' death, and even if it is a case of black officers beating a black man and he dies, it's still the white man's fault. That's kind of like global warming. I'm not comparing beatings to global warming, but the 
left uses that same analogy when it rains too much, it's climate change. When it snows too much, it's climate change. When it's warm and sunny in Hawaii and the temperatures haven't altered themselves much over the course of the last 500 years, somehow it's climate change. Yes. And there's, there's a lot and we need to take responsibility for bad decisions. And some of the bad decisions in this particular case could be bad hiring, bad police practices, bad training. It could be that they just hired bad men in yes. this particular case. And some are claiming that they actually changed the standard. And, mm-hmm. and then several of these officers were hired. And lowering the standards did not benefit the community. I don't necessarily think that everybody needs to take a lie detector test to become a police officer. And I do believe that you could potentially have a criminal background, a technical criminal background in which you reformed yourself and you can be a productive member of society and say, you know what, that police officer that arrested me for that crime really changed my life. And now I see that I could be a benefit to somebody else. So I think that there are positive ways to make that happen. But merely changing, lowering the standards did not benefit. Well, and that's part of what one of the co-hosts of The View, which I do not watch, by the way. I believe her name is um, Alyssa Farah Farah Griffin. She argued that there should be a standardized screening for police officers across the nation. That might help, but like you said, you, you always get bad apples in no matter what, whether it's in the military, whether it's at a regular job. And even in the police force, you're going to have the percentage. And you're going to have a percentage of white criminals that get beat up, that get killed. And just by the sheer population difference, because I believe the black population in America is still only in the 24 or less percentile. Oh, I think it's less than that. I think it's in the it's in the teens. I'm going to have to look at that stat and let you know. But I, I believe... Across the United States, it's in the teens, but certain areas, it's higher. Like, for instance, in Mississippi, the uh, black population is much higher in Mississippi than it is in other states. So percentage-wise, Mississippi would be um, very represented by the black population. And then you get other states where they're not as represented. Well, I remember a little history of the police force in New York, and they were complaining and trying to reform them because there was too much brutality by police officers on certain ethnic groups. And come to find out, a majority of the officers within the New York PD were Latino. Yes. It's it's a person problem. It's the culture. You can say it's police culture or certain, um, certain places, bad culture. And I don't mean that by their their race culture. I mean that particular policing area has bad police culture. Had that, and they get uh, <coughs> excuse me, and you get folks like uh, the movie Walking Tall. I don't know if you've seen that up in the Pacific Northwest, where you had a drug guy that basically ran the police department. I just saw that for the first time, like a couple of weeks ago, and, and he. Uh, he being one of the actors, cleaned house. And it's based on, you never know with Hollywood how much of it's an actual true story, but it's supposed to be based on a true story of cops gone rogue and a former Marine, I believe he was a Marine sergeant, takes matters into his own hands and 
cleans it up and becomes the sheriff up there or chief of police, whatever it is. Yeah. By the way, the the black or African American population is twelve point one percent. Okay. Well, so it's, it's smaller than what I. It, but it, it just it it depends on your area and that it can be higher or lower for that particular area. Well, and, and apparently nobody knows what the solution is because we have the same issue with homeless nationwide. We throw billions and billions of dollars at the homeless problem. It's not getting fixed. We make tweaks and reforms within police departments in certain locations across the country, and it fixes it for a little bit, and then something happens. But if you talk to an officer, they will say that that is a very, very, very small percentage of their population do things like this. It just gets the most media attention because of what's happened in the past. Yes. And if you, if you look at the actual numbers, police officers are more likely to, and and in this case it wasn't a shooting, but police officers are more likely to shoot uh, white individuals than they are black individuals. And they're, there have been cases, even here, in uh, when I lived in Southern California, there was a particular case where an officer beat a homeless man to death, and he actually had on a body camera, and it recorded it, but somehow they kept it quiet for a while until they couldn't, where on the video, he says to the homeless individual who does who did have mental health problems, um, see these fists? They are going to f you up. And then the individual attempted to run because the officer just said he was going to assault him, and it turned into a case where he was killed. And he was not black; he was white. And does it make it okay? No. Is it a sign that there are bad officers? Absolutely. Just like we have been saying, yes, it's not a a perfect population, but we definitely haven't been doing we haven't been doing it right and we need to always strive to be better than what we have been um but letting people out and not arresting people or arresting them and then not keeping them in jail or not prosecuting them isn't the answer either because we have a situation now where there was a 91 year old woman who uh, was randomly attacked by a person and punched her knocked her down, fell into the concrete planter, uh, was just a brutal attack that was on surveillance video. And it turns out that the person who did it, um, who was charged with elder abuse, elder abuse, uh, as well as the beating, he had outstanding warrants. So it's not like non-criminals are all of a sudden just deciding that they're going to commit a criminal act for the first time. We have people who are not being held to account who are getting more brazen about their attacks. That's it in a nutshell. And it's not just, so it's not a police problem. Maybe the police are the problem in, for instance, this case in Memphis, but they're not always the problem. Criminals are going to be criminals. Bad people are going to do bad things. It's a societal problem. You know, something that I think is a societal problem is the fact that we are treating women. We, we've gone back downhill with how we treat women. And 
we are allowing men to claim that they're women. And nowadays in our criminal justice system, New York is looking at doing this to allow people who are charged and convicted of, say, being a rapist. It's been proposed as a new law that men who have been convicted of rape, who are serial sexual predators, can say, I'm a woman. They don't have to do anything. And they will be put in a women's facility. That is totally wrong. And I am tired of women losing space to men. Absolutely. But it's not just a New York thing. In California, we've had inmates who claim to be of the opposite sex, and then they are moved to women's facilities, and we've had women get raped in the, in the facility, and they're just told to deal with it. Oh, well, this, this new woman is allowed to stay. Scotland, same thing. They have a case of a serial criminal rapist who is now claiming that they are a woman and they don't have to physically change anything about themselves and they will they're looking at putting them in a women's facility and it's not just the the negative aspect this is a a, a completely negative aspect uh terrible uh, but we also have Finland who just instituted a new category of transgender woman skater and you had a man dressed as a woman, I don't know if they've had any surgeries, which doesn't matter, going out skating, could barely even stay upright, fell over at one point, couldn't get off the ice, couldn't get up, had to be helped up. And this is our, look at the inroads that women are making. It's a freaking joke. It is very much a joke. And that's another societal thing with people that either go to school, get educated, and they want to try social experiments on everybody. Or it's the collapse of America, which is a representative republic, which generally chew themselves up and only last about 300 years. Yes, we're definitely working on destroying our country. Yes. And Biden's doing such a good job that we have spent 11.8% more on groceries this past year, do you look fatter? Do you feel fatter? I haven't been eating more food. Or has your money not gone as far? My money is not going as far. I just did some grocery shopping today, and I'm appalled by the amount of money that we're spending on basic butter, eggs. It, it's just, it's gone. Well, there's such a concern. I Yeah, well, there's such a concern by a lot of economists nationwide, that we may be going back to a recession like the 1970s, which was a terrible one. People currently keep looking at 2007, 2008, and 2020, thinking that it's not going to get any worse than that. And this economist says this could be more like 1973 and 74. Okay. Because of the looming change in this year, this fiscal year, the last quarter of 2023 is going to get worse because the impact of the Fed raising rates takes a while for it to gain steam. So we're really going to be hurting 
at the end of this year, according to this economist, which is awesome for all those folks that are at retirement or close to it, because this is going to ding us and be another big hit on our retirement pensions and our 401ks and our savings. And that's why I think you see people that used to be Walmart greeters in their 70s and 80s because their pensions got wiped out by a previous recession by people in Washington, D.C. thinking they know how to manage you and your money better. Let's tinker here. Let's tinker there. And then you lose, they gain. Because once they've been in office, it's you know pie in the sky. It's the sky's the limit for them. They become lobbyists. They get monies from their retirement from the government. They're never hurt. Yeah, they they are always have an avenue. Even book deals. That's the big one too. That's a I don't know a money scheme to me is they do book deals and then they talk a lot about nothing during their time, and people buy up all these books. Well, absolutely, and that's just like you have people going out and doing speeches at universities. Like our former presidents and vice presidents and senators, the presidents, vice presidents, and their spouses generally get between a hundred and a million dollars for a one-hour speech, which there's several breaks and discussions. So they're making a million bucks an hour, basically. They're yeah, they're making a lot of money, absolutely a lot of money. Yeah, because you had the Clintons. I don't know if you ever looked back because you were a youngster then to some of the speeches and when they left office, Hillary Clinton said they were broke. Oh, I did. I actually did look into that um, later. I read some books by Hillary Clinton or read a book by Hillary Clinton, but many books on the Clintons. And one of the things she said is they were flat broke when they left and they were basically poor people that had to rebuild themselves. Your husband was making hundreds of thousands of dollars they started doing a year. They started doing speeches right away, book deals, you know, all of that stuff. It was lies. It was just something for her to try and say, "I am a common person. I, I relate to you all." And she's not. She was. She was a lawyer back in Mena, Arkansas. Had some shady dealings with a coworker back there. On through her life in public office, not the most earnest person there is. Absolutely not. So to touch back on a a topic that seems to be making a lot of noise lately, at least I'm seeing it a lot in a lot of different areas, um, reparations. We talked about how San Francisco had specific reparations that they were proposing, and California has a reparations task board that they're looking into reparations for California. You have other cities, other counties that are also looking into reparations. So there was a meeting for the California California's reparations task force. And they met in San Diego and they had they were open to public comment. And right now it's been suggested uh, by the Secretary of State or after comments by the Secretary of State um, that $223,000 per resident is the possible amount to go forward with. But some of the individuals who were at this public forum said that that is not enough. 
So $200,000 is not enough. $223,000 is not enough. One attendee had asked for, at a different meeting, but had asked for $350,000 per eligible individual. Others have said that it needs to include direct cash payments, a new tax-exempt status, free college education, grants for home ownership, business grants, access to low to no business funding and capital, and, and so on and so forth. So this would be in addition to whatever San Francisco decided to do for, for their own um, community. So we are talking hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. And a, a, even a suggestion in San Francisco was that you could re-implement a certain wealth tax, or you can re-implement you know, this tax or that tax. And one of the taxes that they suggested would maybe bring in $10 million a year, but they've suggested paying out $5 million per person. So even if you raise this particular tax, $10 million a year is only going to cover two people per year. So how do you do the math to figure out what the appropriate number is? Now you would have to go back. Let's use you for an example, okay? Or we'll use somebody that's been injured in a work-related accident. So a person's fully capable, they're making 30000 a year as a, a person that digs trenches with a shovel. Okay. You have an accident, they lose an arm, and that's their majority strong arm that they would use that shovel. Okay, so they sue. What's a number? Do you look at that person over their lifetime and see with their educational level and what they would potentially do their entire life, if they didn't, go back to school and change careers. Okay, so you take that 30000 within with inflation, with pay adjustments, and you amortize it out over a 40-year career. Okay, do you think that's going to total up to $5 million? Not even close. So how do you go back and look at all these people and say, okay, they had the potential to do X? Your life would have been better if Y happened. Yes. So it'll be interesting, and I understand what they're doing. They're, they're putting together a package that has multiple things in it, and if they throw 20 out there and they get two or three or four, then it's a net sum gain for them because they now have the ability to give people cash and payments that maybe rightfully should have been theirs. You know, because you and I talked about this a couple of podcasts back or so about the Japanese and being interned during World War II and them losing their property and most of them didn't get it back. And how do you, how do you process that? And how do you pay everybody back for somebody else's ills? Because I can promise you, I, nor you, nor our family was a part of slavery. As a matter of fact, if you look at the Volga River Germans, we were actually potentially part of... Well, we were second-class citizens. Yes, we were part of a second-class citizenry is exactly we, what I was going to say. We didn't have, just for listeners out there, we didn't have the same rights as those who were full citizens of Russia. So do we email Putin? They give you need to. You know what? Catherine, what was her name? Catherine the Great during yes. that. Yeah, during that era. Okay, well, you need to go back to her lineage and find out if her family members are still alive, and if they have created wealth for themselves. Then, you know, I want a piece of the pie for something that my great 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 family was not eligible for, or my grandma or great, you know, whatever the case may be. You know, um, I, in your case, it would have been your grandma. My grandma. And I feel very compassionate for all these folks. I really do in earnest. However, if you want to break the bank, we need to continue on this path. 
because we're already trillions in debt. We're already in a societal decline to where we're just losing it from top to bottom, bottom to top. We have people living out of garbage cans for crime and sake. So are we going to take money away from them? So you have to transfer cash from one place to the other. So are we going to stop spending money on this homeless problem to give somebody who's actually currently working, has an education. And, and a home. And a home. We're going or to give them money. Roof over their head. Or a roof over their head and take away from them to give to others. Where do you find a balance? In in our case, I would say that there would be no balance. We need to go forward with fixing the problems that we do have. Absolutely. But taking, constantly taking from someone to give to somebody else, there's always a bad guy. You have a wealth tax on this or a wealth tax on that, or they try to say that the the wealthy are the evildoers. It doesn't matter if they are white, they are Asian, they are black. We just have the, the bad guy is the wealthy people. So what's the suggestion? That you create a new tax to pay for this. And there's always a new tax that somehow you could make ha- you know it happen. Take away from, let's say, policing. Okay, take away the policing budget and give it out to everyone that you want to give reparations to. But then you haven't helped everyone that you've ever wronged, so how are you going to continue to do it? Then do you take from the people that just became wealthy with $5 million because that was the magic number that they decided and say, well, you're wealthy now. So actually you need to give to the next person and so on and so forth. We just make up the, the bad guy and then we try to redistribute the wealth. It's the company, it's the person, it's the bad guy. Well, it's a great point that we have to continually blame the wealthy for everybody else's problems and that they have too much. The interesting thing is I'd like to know at the state local, well, it'd be more at the state level and the federal level, how many of these guys and gals that are continually claiming that it's the wealthiest problem walk out of public life extremely wealthy? Wealthy, yeah. Yes. A lot of them. Elizabeth Warren is a big one. She's a multimillionaire, but yet she says everybody else is the bad guy. She's not the bad guy. Same thing, Bernie Sanders. He said if you go back and listen to his speeches, the millionaires and billionaires are his bad guy. But as soon as he became a millionaire, he quit saying millionaires and billionaires. He started just saying billionaires are the problem because he couldn't be part of the problem. He just changed his lingo, but they still point to the wealthy as being the bad guys. Now, if they cheated, if they stole, if they had insider knowledge or they had a friend on the inside helping giving contracts, like a congressman who was giving them good, sweet government deals. Yes, we have a problem and they need to be handled. But just to blanket say anyone who made money is the bad guy? Absolutely not. I wonder how much money the Queen of England has or the king now in their coffers. I believe it's in the bees, billions. Does that make them a bad family, bad guy? They are the bad guy. Well, I have a solution. And I want to give partial credit to one of the YouTuber, saving YouTubers I follow. How about instead of just giving people free stuff, we start donating our time? Now, what's wrong with, isn't Elizabeth Warren a professor? Uh, yes, she has 
she actually was a professor. I don't know if she still teaches, but she has co-authored books that she gets money for when those books are assigned to So then maybe all this free college, since we can't afford to send kids to college for free, if all these uber-educated people donate their time for free Free to teach classes, then that's one partial solution. Instead of giving people lip service and wanting to take everybody else's money to throw money at a problem that never gets fixed. Because as we've said, how many podcasts are we in here? We are at 68. Yeah, and we've said it at least 67. They create the problem. And they say they are the solution. And they are not the solution by any means or any stretch of the imagination. You are the solution. Take responsibility for yourself and go out there, hard charge, and become something, even if it's a plumber, even if it's an electrician. You always need plumbers and electricians. Yes. And I'm here to tell you, Family members are all the above. They make really good money. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about some military news that has come out. So a case went to the U.S. Supreme Court, and they have rejected a veteran's challenge to to the disability claims filing deadline. So when you file a claim with the VA regarding your being disabled in service, you have a year after you get out of the military to file a claim for it to be retroactive to the point where you got out of service. If you file at any point after that, whether it's 10 years later, 20 years later, and you're granted the disability status, it only goes back to your date of filing. It doesn't go back to the date that you got out of the military. An individual said that he was too disabled from his military service to be able to know and think clearly to file timely that he had this disability. So he had asked for an exception and to have his case backdated to when he got out of the military. And the Supreme Court justices ruled in in an opinion 9-0 that they would not backdate the case, nor should it be backdated. Wow. Yep, they only do it in it. Uh, only in exceptional circumstances can a claim be backdated, and they said that his case did not warrant that. So he served in the Navy from 1977 to 1981, and he was assigned to an aircraft carrier that experienced a collision, killed and injured several of his shipmates, and he was nearly swept overboard. He developed PTSD and a schizoaffective disorder um, that he claims led him to not be able to know to file for disability. So he didn't file until 2011. And so that's the date that they gave him. They would not backdate it. Oh, that's interesting. What say you? Um, I think that if you were disabled in service, no matter when you filed, it should be from the point that you got out of the military. So he should get reparations. I guess so. So I guess we might be going to war with China. It would appear that we could be leading that way. At least we have a general that believes by uh, 2025, I think it is. We'll be in a war with them. We could potentially be at the height or starting a conflict with China. Depends on their move towards Taiwan 
because there is a presidential election coming up there in about a year, and he strongly believes that they're going to disrupt it or try to make changes within that, and if that doesn't work, then they're going to take the country by force. So we now have the U.S. and Eastern allies sending tanks to Ukraine, not to move over a little bit. Now Russia's posturing and saying it is a direct conflict now with NATO. So we still have to see how that plays out. Because I think if there's a desperate move by Putin, then we don't know what's going to happen there. I mean, he might get brazen enough to pop a nuke on him. We can hope not. We will see. Time will tell. Because I think we are kind of playing with fire right now. I would have to agree with that. Between what's been going on with China, what's been going on with Russia and Ukraine, and well, we did promise Ukraine that we would be there for them, and I know we've talked about that in the past. What does it mean to be there for someone, and should we be in a war ourselves? Well, if we promise to protect a country, and they gave up their nuclear arms based on our affirmative statements, what should happen? I'm not saying I want a, a war with Russia, a war with Putin, a war with China. I don't want any of that, but... Well, we don't, and us being both former military, we know that our military is the strongest in the world, even if we're at one of our weakest points right now because of the current administration not wanting to do certain things to build us back up. But even if we were called to arms, we'll do whatever it takes to do whatever it takes. So we shall see. So do you know that the pandemic is not over yet? Well, it's not over because people want to keep their powers. Even though Biden claimed the pandemic was done, he's extended the emergency order date. Because he gets a lot of extra powers. So the president wants to keep those extra powers. We're going to, I would be surprised, I wouldn't be surprised if this emergency didn't end the entire time he was president. Correct. And he's going to end the COVID-19 emergencies on May 11th. Yeah, it was supposed to be now, and now it's May 11th. He's just going to keep extending it. Well, the Republicans in the House are going to vote to end it immediately. Obviously, it won't get signed by him. It was originally set to expire March 1st. So that if there really is a legitimate concern, then they need to get up with their new guy that took over for Fauci and get on a little whiteboard there and show the little spike proteins and show all the Americans and show how it's morphed 15 times and that we have open borders now again with China and they're still coming back and forth. So maybe there is a potential for it to rise. Or maybe, like you said, he just wants to hold on to this power like a dictator. Just like Newsom. Dictator Newsom's doing the same thing. Amazing. Amazing that 300 and some million people would allow this kind of thing to perpetuating their life. So a good thing that happened with the VA is the housing of the homeless. So the VA had a goal of housing homeless veterans uh, to the tune of 38,000. They were hoping to house in 2022. And they found housing for 40,401 homeless veterans. So they were able to exceed their goal. That's cool. Yeah. 
somebody's doing something right with veterans for a change. Yeah. Wow. Oh, it's interesting that former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has jumped in on the coattails of that gener- the general and made a statement that uh, China's watching for our American weakness after a four-star general surmised the U.S. would be at war with the world's most populous country by 2025. That is my major concern, him saying most populous. Because if they could make it to mainland America, they could bring wave after wave after wave of hundreds of thousands. Millions. Millions and millions of troops. And I believe that part of the only thing holding them back to ever trying to invade America on the mainland is what? Our Second Amendment. That the fact that we have more guns than people in the United States. Yes. And even kids that are raised with gun safety awareness know how to shoot at the age of 8, 10, 12. So there is millions. Well, wait, wait, wait. A couple hundred million reservists, so to speak. That's why we're there to help fight enemies, foreign. And domestic. Correct. And that's a question I have, and I would love to speak with a congressman or a senator. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not advocating January 6th or any type of takeover of a U.S. government entity. But if you look at the Revolutionary War and our Constitution and the Federalist Papers, what is that trigger, funny word, trigger, that tells the normal citizenry that it's time to make a corrective action? I'm not quite sure how we get there. Well, you hear senators and, and congressmen occasionally talk about the Second Amendment, the First Amendment, and this is in the halls of Congress giving speeches about how important it is to you know, bear arms and how important it is to keep your government in check and stuff like that. And if you just look at, and I'm not agreeing with what happened January 6th, because I honestly still don't know what happened because there's so much chicanery there. What is the trigger and device? And if somebody out there has the answer, please let me know. I would love to know when, where, and why, but where, why, and how. It's interesting that you do bring up January 6th. There is a new court filing that has occurred in one of the cases against a proud boy who the the prosecution has brought a witness and entered information into the record that we you know they of course believe would show guilt for this proud boy member and then they've also filed documentation with the court that says that if the defense wishes to cross examine the witness that they should be limited or barred from asking questions not approved by the prosecution slash the court. And I find that really interesting as an argument that they want to have a witness against a person who's accused of, you know, whatever he's accused of during January 6th, not be allowed to cross-examine their witness because they want to hide potential facts that could make that witness null and void or help the defense. Yeah, and the the government is claiming that it's 
from FBI confidential sources and their involvement with the Proud Boys and their infiltration of the group, as well as certain telegram channels. And so now we have the FBI, well, through this prosecutor, the FBI indicating that they had confidential sources prior to January 6th. They had informants. They had people embedded. And yet, for some reason, they could not stop January 6th from happening, even though they appeared to have been investigating it before the happened, um, before it happened. But also, any of the information surrounding that, they don't want a defendant to have the right to defend themselves against whatever they want to present. Kind of a secret court. Yeah, it's corruption at the highest Corrupt, level. There you go, corruption. Yeah, corruption. That's, that's that going shows on. you the two tiers and the three tiers of justice where throw all your chips out there, let them fall where they fall, and then you defend or prosecute based on evidence. Right. I, I'm confused as to why you know, they have to look at, because that happens, I think, in normal cases sometimes, too, that certain things cannot be brought up, just like when a defendant has a history of rape or a history of something that, the prosecution or the defense is able to get withheld from the jurors. I, I don't understand how that works. It makes no sense. In some cases, they don't want your past bad acts to influence whether a jury would convict you on the claimed current act to a degree. I guess I can understand that. But when it's the government saying we want to hide our sources, we don't want you to be able to cross-examine, so we basically get to say whatever we want to say, claim it as truth, and you're not allowed to defend yourself against our claims. Hey, look at this. What did we just talk about a few weeks ago? And all the metals that have to be mined for all these processors and all these lithium batteries and such. Yes. Big article. Human rights activist warns of abuses in the Congo cobalt mines, moral clock has been dialed back to colonial times. We have no moral compass. Well, people who say that these electric cars or electric vehicles are the way forward with the way that they're currently modeled and then don't want to admit to the fact that humans are being abused in order to get there, they're the problem. I'm not saying I want to continue using fossil fuels from now until forever, but you can't make a car or a vehicle with by violating human rights and say it's the better of the two things. Correct. And the hybrid electric was actually a good start because you could potentially knock down the petroleum usage by half. Yes. If they work correctly, but we need to start, I don't know if it's front to back or back to front. So with petroleum products or with petroleum crude, there's over 4,000 products that are made from crude. petroleum. We need to start weaning ourselves off of all those. That'll help wean, ha, that's funny, wean consumption. And then we can start working on the hybrids, the ultra hybrids and adjusting that accordingly. But until they get to that point, um, it's not going to happen. You can't just go from 100% to 0%. Right. You know, it's interesting that our president is touting an electric vehicle tax credit 
with a picture of him sitting in a luxury Hummer that doesn't even qualify. That's because he's a piece of work. Sorry for anyone who likes him, but he says things all the time that is counter to the way he leads his life. And the fact that he would be in a, a, look at how well I'm doing. Oh, by the way, this doesn't. Not always leads, but has always led his life, in my opinion. Because if you look at what's coming out, they've only scratched the surface. And if we're only seeing the surface, just like our spooks, our CIA and all them guys, just imagine what's underneath the surface of what his family has done the last 40 years, using him as the vessel for corruption. Yes, what we don't see. So one bit of local news, there was a an individual who was the longest serving condemned inmate in California. He had he was sentenced uh, May 12, 1983 for first degree murder in Santa Barbara County and he just died of if you want to say old age, natural causes. They listed natural causes as his official cause of death. So he got to live in jail from 1983 to 2023. 40 years. Should we have put him down? First degree murder. And California doesn't believe in in the death death penalty. penalty. We only believe in spending everybody's cash to keep somebody in prison that long. And they'll always use the excuse that it costs more to have them executed and it doesn't just let them rot in jail. Not if you do it right. And in California, the the sheer amount of money that we're spending and the fact that we're really not reforming people is atrocious. Absolutely, because that is one of your big things, and you've talked about it a lot, is setting up some kind of system to help reform these prisoners. Yes. Yes. Education and training, a reformative system, not just a cash bail system cashless bail let everybody out to keep committing crimes and then we don't put them away because reasons i guess is it cheaper to have them continue to be out and commit crimes against society than it is to put them in jail and reform them well it's because they're seldom ever part of that system that when these folks get out and they repeat offend it doesn't affect the ones that are letting them out you're right it doesn't just like Gavin Newsom coming out, we unfortunately had several shootings that happened, and he came out and said the Second Amendment is what, oh, how did he say it? We're clinging to, it's like a suicide pact, is what he called us clinging to the Second Amendment. As And he's giving these comments as he's surrounded by armed guards. I'm sorry, you start. Get rid of your guards. Get rid of the guns. Get rid of all guns around you. Get rid of all guards around you. Be a normal person who doesn't have the ability to pay for security. I mean, that's coming out of California money, tax dollars. But you start. You show us that you don't need it. That's a good place for them to start, but they won't. Just like the big walls around their homes. They don't want to build a wall down south. But they'll take the wall around their house. Any day. And they, oh, they released the uh, body camera footage of Paul Pelosi's attack. And I did not see the video, but there is a claim that Paul Pelosi, when he answered the door, was holding a drink in his hand. 
CBS News, the reporter that they suspended or whatever has been vindicated. Oh, NBC. Or NBC News. NBC sorry. News. Okay, because yes. that's what they reported, right? That yes. He had a drink in his hand. They're like, oh, no, you can't say that, I guess, because they actually released the video. He did have a drink in his hand. You didn't see what though. you saw. I'm surprised that they released the video, but it happened, so I didn't think it was going to happen. Well, they should. That's the truth. Like I said, throw your chips out there and let's see where things fall. Yeah, because I, I, you know, the regular schmo, that, that video would have been released a lot sooner. So where is that guy? Has he been deported yet? No, he will go through the criminal justice system. If found guilty, he will spend his time in jail, and then he'll get deported back to Canada. So, Cal- Or presumably because we want to am- give amnesty to everyone, so California might not turn them over to ICE. California taxpayers are on the hook again. Ooh, see, we were just talking about reform for officers. Here's an exclusive for you. Border Patrol Recruitment Crisis. There is a bill that aims to drop polygraph requirements for some applicants. So then they're going to adjust standards. Yes. Because we're having a recruitment issue. U.S. Navy recruitment problem. Marine Corps recruitment problem. They need to pay more money to the Border Patrol and they will get better hires. Money is where that problem is. They overwork people because they are understaffed. And they also accuse them of things that they didn't do. Look at Biden's comments on, on the horse on the horse whipping mm-hmm. incident that was not it was the reins and no one was whipping anyone. So why would you want to go work for the Border Patrol? It's understaffed. And by the way, they just took the um oh who are the flight people never getting sent to the border? What are they called? No, the air marshals. Oh, they just stopped sending air marshals. I just heard that they are going to stop sending air marshals to the border. But if they paid well for that job, and I understand that would make a huge budget problem, but if they paid well for the Border Patrol, you would have more people who are more qualified to do it. We got problems, boss. We got more problems (laughs) than we got solutions. We got lots of problems, and we're not doing anything to find the correct solution. That's all right. Maybe if Gavin Newsom decides to run for president, he'll get absolutely pummeled during him running. He's trying to make himself more of a centrist. He's a leftist, like hardcore leftist. But lately, him trying to play himself off as a semi-left-center person, he's going to try to use that to get more people. And he'll get some. I don't know if it'll be enough. I don't think it will, because even though he's a California governor, he doesn't have, I really don't believe he has national recognition to run for president. That's probably why he was running all those ads. In Florida, yes. yes. And if DeSantis decides to run, he will, he'll take a whooping by DeSantis. You think so? I do. Well, right now they have Trump ahead of DeSantis by lots and lots of points. But it will be interesting to see how the debates look. And who ultimately stands and who falls. I, But Newsom won't launch unless Biden does not. So they need to can him somehow. He needs to say, oh, document scandal. I'm just tired. I'm going to retire and go live peacefully in Delaware. Or 
I don't know. They're going to do something with him. But if you, we did discuss this before. If you remember, some of what came out on the Hunter Biden laptop was that Hunter Biden guilted and strong-armed his dad into running. It sounded like Joe Biden actually wanted to go live the quiet life. And his son was awful to him. So that's election corruption. Could be. (laughs) By his own son. Yes. So I don't, maybe, uh, right now he's being steered by by his wife and the the Easter Bunny and whoever else is helping to steer him. He's not really leading this country, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. I had these two names mixed up a couple of weeks ago, but I think it's Valerie Jarrett yes. who helped Obama run his White House. I think she is one of the ones pulling the strings. Oh, behind. Oh, yes. Valerie Jarrett. Okay. I could see that. Well, let me tell you what. I will say that Seattle used to be one of the most beautiful cities along the entire West Coast. And because of all this weird renaming of people and woke and equity and all these other things going on, all the drugs, the uh, drug deaths, a lot of folks up there that are from there that are native are saying that this is not the city that they know, that they love, that this is just one little minute in time that a beautiful city in America is being absolutely destroyed. Oh, what what did President Trump say? Everything woke turns to trash. Yes. And unfortunately, that just seems to be coming to fruition. I'm not saying that Trump had it right, but we've we keep going so woke in the ultra woke areas, they are turning to trash. You know, just like when he called some countries s-holes, it really yes. it really infuriated a lot of people. But you know what? The last two years, we have found out by watching some of those countries that they are kind of s-holes. Yes. And it's not because of their people. It's because of their leadership. Leadership and corruption has yeah. led them to be like that. There are many countries that could, including our own, could be better. We could be better. We don't need to. We are, in part, becoming that S-hole country. If you look at some of our, our cities and how bad they are, uh, we don't have a claim to, to positivity there. What cities were bombed in Japan? Were nuked. Uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And if you look at photos of them now, those cities look absolutely gorgeous. Uh, when I was there in 2003, they, Hiroshima was very much different from what yes. it was. And you look at our big cities, and like Detroit, Motor City Madness, Madness, they're dumped. Unfortunately, that yep. is true now. This has been a podcast produced and edited by the Dirt Sailor Duo. Mark and Shannon are a father-daughter team who both served in the United States Navy. This production is protected by copyright laws. Until next time, anchors away.